NXT, New York City. Welcome to Hot 97's Street Soldiers, the hottest talk on radio. Hosted by Lisa Evers. I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We are focusing on the issue of homelessness that unfortunately in our city and in our area, the tri-state, and actually across the United States, has become much more of a problem in the past year. Follow me on Twitter, at Lisa Evers. You can post your comments there. And on Instagram, at Lisa Evers. And we have guests in studio with us here for this episode to talk about the various aspects of this what it does to your life, how do you deal with it, how can you help people if you want to help them, and also how some of the people who are facing this challenge are helping themselves. Now, one of the things that I've been told is I've been covering stories for Fox 5 about the, the homeless, apparently homeless people we see on the streets, is that that's just the tip of the iceberg. That's the real homeless crisis is with people that we do not see, the people who are finding a way to get through the day, finding a place to stay, trying to raise their children, trying to go to work and still living in a shelter. We have about and have had for many, many months about 60,000 people in New York City in city shelters every single night. The the estimates are that more than 20,000 of them are children. More than half are working adults. So these are people who are working, trying to raise their kids. And they can't even, you know, afford to live, find affordable housing. The city has instituted a number of new programs, and I'm happy to report that uh, two of the families that we had done stories on in Fox 5 have received permanent housing as a result of new city programs. But there's just so, the crisis is so great with real estate, uh, the real estate prices. The crisis is so great for many people in terms of the economy that this is continues to grow. And that's what we wanted to focus on. You know, it's a holiday season. A lot of us are running around busy with work, our families, holiday parties. But it's a whole different thing when you have to kind of maintain your your presence professionally or your presence just as a human being with your dignity in public and then not knowing where you're going to be sleeping that night. So that's what we're focusing on. Thankful for all the people that are out there in our communities who are providing help to people who are facing the issue of homelessness and especially to those children who are going through this because uh, I've seen firsthand with one of the families that we've been working with the, the dramatic effects that this has on kids and the changes that they go through and when they do not have a stable home environment. But let me introduce our panel. Joining us is Juan Rivera. He's a director of homeless outreach for Bronx Bronx Works. He and his team took us out onto the streets in the South Bronx to show us how they are working with people who are on the streets Mm -hmm. to get them into resources because the past approach of just picking people up and arresting them, that's not what's being done now. It's something much different. We're going to find out from Juan in just a moment what that's about. Juan, thank you so much for being with us. All right. Thank you, Lisa. We, we appreciate it. Also with us is, Jen, is Jay. She is a single parent of two teens. She is currently homeless. We're going to find out what that's like. Jay, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Also with us is Chad Harper. He's the founder of HipHopSavesLives.org. He's worked at three facilities teaching teens, working with teens, um, using hip-hop actually to help uplift them as they're going through this crisis of homelessness. Chad, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Also with us is Coco. She's 16 years old and she was in a shelter recently. We're going to find out what that was like. Coco, thanks for being with us. Thank you too. And also joining us is Mecca. He's a multimedia personality and a music editor, and he's dealt with a homeless issue in the past. Mecca, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. We really appreciate it. Juan, first of all, why are we seeing so many more homeless people on the streets right now? 
Um, that's a good question. I mean, I think there's a there's a perception. I, I like the opening that you just gave because I think it speaks to a little bit of kind of the stereotypes that are out there, um, you know, in terms of what folks think homelessness is or who homeless folks are. Um, you know, it's not always that sort of image that we have of the scruffy person, you know, scruffy beard guy with, who, with tattered clothing. Um, you know, it's it's sort of everyday folks. I mean, right now, what we're seeing is sort of the newly homeless, which are people who are sort of, like you mentioned, kind of borderline. They're working, um, you know, they're finding it hard to uh, to make a living and they, they're really sort of bouncing from place to place. Um, you know, they may have other issues going on in terms of maybe substance abuse or mental health. But really, there is a population of folks who don't have those issues going on, but they're just low income um, and they struggle to really find a, a place to live. So, you know, they kind of just hit the streets. Is there the there's many new city programs <clears throat> that are, are coming mm-hmm. out and have been devised to try to help people. Sure. But with the real estate situation everywhere, the Bronx, mm-hmm. especially in, in the Bronx and Brooklyn, yeah. it's just a lot of the apartments that were available are, are at, at low prices are no longer there. Yeah, no, it's definitely a big problem, especially for families. I mean, we've we've uh, you know engaged with a lot of families uh, over the phone, really. Um, you know, who have explained to us that they've been trying to uh, you know to find uh, somewhere to live. They just haven't been able to. Um, I think there might be a perception, you know, in the public that uh, folks entering the shelter system are maybe trying to take advantage of programs and things like that. But it really just isn't the case. I mean, people are really trying to, you know, to get help and they're trying to find a place to live for their families. And, uh, you know, we've also found sort of a new trend in the Bronx anyway is is more sort of couples who don't have children. Um, That's also a big a new population that we've sort of encountered now. Um, and you know, that's, that's something, you know, when you, when you encounter folks who've been together for 10 years, um, you know, to ask them to go to separate shelters or to do, uh, something that is going to, you know, require them to not be together, it's difficult. Um, so that's something that's an obstacle for our team that we've had to try to work with DHS, uh, with, uh, you know. And I, and I want to talk with you about the, the, the whole approach as mm-hmm. well, but Jay, tell us your situation. How did you, how did you end up without a home? Um, I was married. It was a domestic violence situation. I left it. I, I was on the run for three years. Oh, my gosh. And being on the run for three years, you, it's hard to keep a stable job because he would show up. He had relatives in the in the ju- ju- judicial system. So every time his name came up for a warrant, um, restraining order, they wouldn't give it to me. Um, last year, he died. Um, and because I was still legally married to him, I had to come back and bury him. And so it's just been reacclimating to life. Um, I had to go and get on welfare for the first time in January of 2014. And they put me in a shelter, which was in a motel. Um, bed bugs. It just was awful. But in August of this year, I got a job and I had to move out because um, I made too much money, they said. And um, they were supposed to pay my security and my rent. But once they closed my case, they refused to pay it. So I took them to court, um, me versus the state of New Jersey. And I won. Um, So now it's just waiting on them to send the money. So now it's like sleeping on this couch and on that couch. I do make it to work every day. I wrote a book. You know, I try to inspire people every day because that's what keeps my own head above water. Um, and in the midst of all of that, my children, who are exceptionally doing well, straight A's in school, um, one is getting ready to go to college and one is getting ready to go to high school. And um, 
we're just doing it one day at a time. God bless you. Nice. What about the? Uh, but what effect has it had? Because your your children are teens. They and, are. And, and what effect the moving around and then you know the, the living growing up with that threat of violence to their mom, the one person who's taking care of them. Um. I mean, it's a testament to you as a mother that they're doing so well, given all the challenges. Thank you. It's really not to me, though. It's to God. But um, I've just always been honest with them. And I've always been able to communicate with them. So I experienced it so you don't have to. I made these decisions. So now you have to make better decisions. You're being afforded an opportunity that I never was afforded. So I tell my my oldest one, she's getting ready to go to college. I never went to college. I I went to community college, but I didn't have the opportunity to go away because my senior year in high school, I was pregnant with her. So for me, it was about breaking generational curses and doing things, everything differently than what I did. And so for me, it's the importance of going to school and getting an education so you don't have to struggle the way I've struggled with you. been fortunate yes we've been on the rough side of the mountain but you're clearly you're doing well it's not you know we're we're making it so what's your what's your situation now you Um, you and the kids are you're basically staying wherever you can stay well i allow them to stay at my mom's okay um so they can get up for school and get to school on time every day and they have someplace warm to sleep two weeks ago i was sleeping in my car um and one of my friends said take all your stuff out your car and come sleep on my couch and so that's where I am all right well th- we appreciate you you telling your story I mean tremendous story of courage and to have to go through that domestic violence be a survivor of that and then also to keep such a positive attitude I think is is really incredible thank you really incredible and one the what what Jay is describing mm-hmm. where you have working people this is also a number that we don't quite have a handle on too which mm-hmm. those numbers I gave at the beginning make it much much greater where right. you have people that are not actually in the shelter system but are working mm-hmm. but don't have their own stable place right yeah those are the folks that you know um, it's really like you said the hidden population that that no one sort of knows about um, so I appreciate you telling your story because I think it's important to uh, for folks to know um, because again I, I go back to that whole image of, of homelessness and who a homeless person is um, and I just think that the perception is is just wrong um, I think that there are so many faces to homelessness um, and you know each one of them sort of has their own story and their own reason why things are going on. So it's important for, for all those voices to be heard. No, definitely. Coco, tell us, you're 16 years old, gorgeous 16 years old. Thank you. <laughs> tell us um, what your your situation was. How'd you end up in the in a shelter? Um, My fifth grade graduation, when I came home, the door was locked and everything. So, sorry. This is your fifth grade? Mm-hmm. You said, okay. No, take your time. And we, we appreciate you coming in to, to help us understand what's going on, okay? So just take your time, and if you need a little break, we can we can come back to you, okay? But I think you didn't do this. Um, fifth grade graduation, I came home and the door was locked, and my mom had to break the window so I could go through to go upstairs and change for prom. And so I went to prom and everything. After that, my mom came and she said we're gonna stay with her boyfriend, but it didn't work out because he used to try to come in my room and stuff. And so we moved in shelter and we was living in three shelters within five years. And 
it was a lot of bugs. Like the whole bad bug thing, it was real because it's like so disgusting. But um, so our last shelter was in the Bronx, and I think that had to be my favorite one because a lot of kids and a lot of people to talk to that also said that oh they want to kill themselves. Like it's twelve year olds who came to me and told me their brother touched them, and it's people that's so young that's coming to you telling you stuff like this, and you can relate to it. But the last one also because like. I had I started making a dance team there and we performed at Sweet Sixteens and block parties and barbecues, stuff like that and stuff. Oh, that's and it, great. Yeah. So, so you the made kids, a dance team with the other kids that yeah, were homeless. Thank you. So yeah. they came to our house and stuff like that. And one of the girls' dads, he's like over 50, and he used to come to, because my mother do hair inside the building. And so he used to come to my room and tell me he loved me and stuff like that. But So we moved out. I was second shelter, we got kicked out. Like, oh, we just came home one day and all our stuff was in front of the building. There was like people going through the bags, like taking stuff. So my mom just said, pick out like two outfits so we could move or something. And that's the, that was the second shelter. And then third one's with the dance team and stuff. So, yeah. That's an amazing story. So, but after you moved into the shelter that your mom's boyfriend was no longer in your life? Mm, she was still going out with him for like a month after only because. He was giving her money to like feed us and stuff, so. Did you tell her what happened? Did he try to? Yeah, she know. And did you get any kind of help for that at all? To talk to anybody? No? You just tried to deal with it? Yeah. I'm so sorry you went through that, but I really appreciate you sharing this with our listeners so people understand that are going through it right now, that are listening, that they're not alone too. And Coco, what about, so tell us what's going on now. Um, I moved to Brooklyn in Brownsville and I have another dance team with f- over 50 girls. Oh, that's great. I met them at a talent show. But yeah, so I moved to Brownsville, dance team. Then I go to Brooklyn Theater Arts and I'm on a dance team on that one. So it was like three dance teams I'm working with now. Wow. And Must be really good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we do. So you teach me some stuff. moves and <laughs> for the holidays? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was laughing. Come on, I'm a good dancer. What are you talking about? No, so so you're so things are looking up now. Yeah. But are you guys in an apartment with your? Yeah, we in an apartment now. You're in an apartment with your mom and my little brother. And how old's your little brother? About to be fourteen. Fourteen. And yeah. how's your how's your mom doing? She's good. Yeah, she's good. So do you do you feel like that that the worst is behind you now, or do you can you can you like just you know, let out a sigh and go, okay, we, 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 we're good now? Yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess so, yeah. You feel better? And then what do you, do you hope to pursue dance professionally? Yeah, I like singing mostly, like I've been doing singing a lot. Uh-huh. Dance just like happen, just know how to do it, just happen to be another skill. Right. But so mostly singing, yeah. That's great. That's awesome. I think that, I think she really did that, that took a lot to be able to share that uh-huh. story. Really, it really did. And and I really appreciate it. And I know everybody in this room and everybody that's tuned in right now appreciates it too. And your courage is incredible and so inspiring to us. Thank you. And if you guys are any good, maybe we could have them perform at the Push for Peace. Yeah, you're in Brooklyn. All right, how about that? <laughs> okay, Chad, tell us about, you You work with Coco and she's, she's part of your organization. Yes. HipHopSavesLives.org and how unusual is her story or how common is her story? 
Um, I, I think it's actually you know pretty common. Um, you know, I've worked uh, with Coco for three years, and I've been at Brooklyn Theater Arts for four years. Um, but I also worked, you know, Covenant House, which which is the homeless teen shelter here in Manhattan. Um, Safe Space uh, in Jamaica, Queens, and Far Rock, Queens are like teen runaway shelters. So there's just most of the kids have similar stories like that, um, where they just went through really traumatic situations. Um, there's another gentleman that I worked with from um, Covenant House, whose mother got sick when he was 12 years old, went to the hospital. And in four days, she died. It was just a sudden, tragic death. And he never had a father. So here you have this 12-year-old kid with no mom and no father um, bouncing around from aunties to cousins to uncle's house. Um, fortunately, he did have enough family support to graduate high school. But just the trauma of his mother dying within like a four or five-day you know, process of- It's horrible It's loss. horrible. And you know- Still, he's 24 now, but honestly, he was living in the Covenant House because he was just emotionally unstable. Yeah. He couldn't keep a job. He couldn't, you know. I even hired him because um, he's a young adult to work with my organization, and he'd be great for six months, and then one day he would just show up, and I wouldn't even know who he is, and he would just be going through these different so emotional, a lot of emotional and, and psychological problems, right? After going through going through something like that, um, Mecca, tell us your your when when was the low point for you? Like the lowest point? What was that like? Oh, uh, the lowest point had to be uh, I was uh, sleeping on the trains and uh, a lot of abandoned buildings. My my place was uh, I was living with an aunt who had my grandfather's house. She had a gambling problem. That, place uh, was foreclosed on. I came home to a boarded up, you know, house. The power went out. Everything goes out. You know, you're sleeping in the dark. It's cold. The water's not, the water's always cold. So taking a shower is like ridiculously difficult. And then one day you come back and they just got the place boarded up. So, you know, from there you do what you can. I kept my stuff there, but, you know. You, That's about it. You cra Yeah, you crash at different homies' places. You sleep on trains. You find some place warm to be. You can, uh, you recognize that the library is, you know, great for a bathroom and running water and, you know, you figure out little ways to get by from day to day. And in the middle of that, you're trying to figure out how to get out of that situation. They don't teach kids in high school what to do when your life falls apart, when when everything falls down. They, they don't tell you where to go. OK, call this number. No problem. They get you back on your feet. Like I had no idea what to do. Um, calling family didn't really seem like an option. Most of my family was on uh, was in the South, and going down there didn't really feel like an option. And my mom was uh, in rural Pennsylvania. That didn't feel like an option. So, you know, you just make do. So how did you get out? How did you get out of that cycle? God's grace. It's it's really the only answer I have. I I was this is I, I was about to turn to robbery I was going to stick people up and I had one homeboy around the way who was going to get me a gun and I had one drug house in Queens that I knew about where I was going to go in there get the money and run out with my one gun and so you had pretty gone pretty far in terms of planning this out 
No, no, that was the end of the plan. That was as far as the plan went. That sounds pretty was, far, though. I know where I get the gun. I know where I can go. I was not going to make it out of that house. Like, once once that happened, I had no idea where I was going to go with this money and this gun running out of this house. I mean, full in terms of, of planning dollars. the crime, you kind of. Well, yeah. It, it was kind of like looking like a real option to Yeah, that. that oh, that. I felt like that was pretty much what I had left. And the guy who was supposed to bring me the gun never showed up. And I found out that he got arrested and caught with the gun. Somebody saw him with the gun. They called the cops. He got arrested with the gun. That's he never crazy. showed up. So I never got the gun. And so it was like some touch by an angel type thing. When I say Almost. God's grace, I'm not kidding. Like I, I found out later, way later, that he got arrested. But I, it, at the time, I was just mad that he never showed up. Like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> we had a deal. Where, where is it? So what did you? So what made you not try to get another gun? Because let's keep it real. There's a lot of guns. It's not that hard to get guns in the city. Um, I, I used to. I had a pattern of staying at different people's houses. And when they started asking questions, I would just get low. I would come over there, you know, just chop it up for the night, pretend to fall asleep on their couch so they wouldn't wake me up, and I just get up sometime in the morning and make my way out. Um, I had one homeboy who I did that fairly often with, and he started to catch on. He was always, yo, you know, why don't we ever go to your house? How come we never at your place? I want to get out of here. Oh, and so I, you would, they didn't even know your situation? No, nobody knew. I was embarrassed. You were it just kind of like, was, oh, yeah, like, I'm, it I, was I, like I fell asleep while we were hanging out yeah, type and of that, thing. Yeah, and I played it off that way. until he, too tired to go home type of thing. Until he, but, until he started asking real, real questions. So I broke out. Yeah, I pulled my excuse. He was like, let's go to your house. I said, okay, let me go and make sure it's clean first. Make sure everybody's cool and I'll come back and get you. And I broke out and I would never come back. This one specific time, he followed me. And I didn't know he was following me, but he followed me. And when I came out of the boarded up house that I used to stay in with different clothes on because I was preparing to make moves for the next day, he was standing out front. And he saw me with a change of clothes. He saw me with brand new clothes on, like a, a different outfit. And he was like, yo, what what are you doing? Like, are you are you staying here? Like, you just changed clothes in there. Like, what, is this your house? And I was, I was exhausted. I was too tired to keep lying. Wow, and that's what it was. You're listening to Hot 97 Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers, on Twitter, at Lisa Evers, Instagram, at Lisa Evers. And if you're just tuning in, we're talking about the homeless crisis and also the new homeless and the hidden homeless, what impact it has on people's lives and hearing some incredible stories of strength and really just inspiration of what people are going through and how they're handling some challenges that, that really would have just taken other people totally out of the game. But um, you can catch up on the show on lisaevers.com, also on iTunes. Just type in Lisa Evers Street Soldiers in the podcast section um, to hear this show and also previous Street Soldiers episodes. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Hot 97 Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers, on Twitter, at Lisa Evers, Instagram, at Lisa Evers. And you can catch up on this and all Street Soldiers episodes on lisaevers.com. Just click on Hot 97 Show Audio. And we're on iTunes, too, free podcasts. You can check it out there um, if you want to catch up on the shows and also find out who the guests are and some of the recommendations. We have an amazing panel. We're focusing on this issue of homelessness. And when you say homeless, a lot of people think about the individuals that we 
see many of whom are in emotional or psychological distress on the streets. But the real homeless issue, according to the people that are on the ground dealing with this day in and day out, tell me that it's really the people we don't see, like some of the guests we have with us in studio who are trying to keep their lives going, keep their families going, keep their dreams going, and yet do it all without having a stable home base. So joining us in studio, Juan Rivera. He's a director of homeless, um, the Homeless Outreach Team for Bronx Works. Um, multimedia personality Mecca is with us. Chad Harper, founder of HipHopSavesLives.org. Coco, she's 16 years old. She's formerly homeless and an aspiring dancer and singer. And also Jay, who's a single parent, who is a mother of two teens, who is coming out of the uh, homeless situation. So let me, uh, Juan, when you hear the stories, mm-hmm. there have to be many more like this. Yeah, I mean, they're really powerful stories, and, and I just want to thank everyone for sharing them. I mean, I think it's, um, I, I've been doing this work for 15 years, um, and, you know, the the street work is, is great because you when you meet folks, you really get to know who, who they are um, and what their story really is, um, and I wish that more people would, would sort of have the opportunity um, to do that. I mean, I know it's difficult for the general public to kind of, you know, as you're walking by or you're going to work to kind of understand, you know, the person on that corner, you know, uh, they went to school, they had, uh, you know, maybe they're a veteran, maybe they were in the armed forces, um, you know, maybe they had a traumatic event happen to them um, that led to to what's going on. So Now, when ex- and explain the approach mm-hmm. so people understand, because sure. people are like, why can't they just take them off the street yeah, yeah. and get them in a hospital or get them in some kind of setting right. or whatever? And when we went out with you mm-hmm. with the... Um, with the Fox 5 camera, it mm-hmm. was a very cold day, it was a very rainy day. Right. There was a man that we saw in the Bronx that was actually mm-hmm. wrapped in clear plastic like yeah. a mummy, right. laying flat out, and you were very concerned that he was gonna pass out or possibly yeah. become unconscious and die. So you, you, you don't, mm-hmm. but you can't just go and pick him up and take him to a hospital. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, um, folks obviously have the right to be on the street. I mean, uh, within reason. I mean, our, our team, you know, is, is out there to assess and to make sure that folks are safe. Um, we want to offer the services, but if we feel like there's some other issue going on, whether it's mental health or, or you know, a, a substance abuse issue that might be of immediate danger, then we want to certainly assess that and make sure that even if the person may not be willing to go to the hospital, you know, we may need to, to take that step just for their own safety. But do you distinguish in your field mm-hmm. uh, with, the, with the social work professionals like yourself, do you distinguish between people who have severe mental issues and mm-hmm. substance abuse issues or combination mm-hmm. and people like the guests we have in the studio who, who are functioning, who are trying mm-hmm. to do their thing and are more victims of the economic system? Yeah, I mean, it's... it's um it's sort of a double-edged thing. I mean, you know, you do have the folks that, I, I think it's less now, you know, than it used to be years ago in terms of the folks that are severely mentally ill on the street. Um, I think that that's something that our teams in the entire city have sort of tackled pretty well. Um, and, you know, the city has provided these, you know, sort of new options and new beds for folks to, to get them inside. Um, and also psychiatric services that maybe weren't available uh, in the past. So I think that's sort of an issue that, um, is being you know addressed in the proper way, but you know the the bigger issue is is the folks that are about to become homeless or newly homeless. You're, you know couch couch surfing, couch hopping, couch you know, surfing, the, right? Just yeah, going from I house. Mean, they're going house from to house, house to house. Um, and and I get a lot of those calls. You know, folks who are looking for services, and and they're telling me, you know, I'm staying at a friend's house. Um, you know, I'm I'm sort of bouncing here and there. Um, and unfortunately, you know, the options are not 
you know, all that great in terms of, you know, what's available to those folks. Jay, tell us, uh, you know, that that's almost your situation at this point. You have your kids with your with your mother and you can't stay with your mother either or it's too much her house is too small or um, apartments too small. No, it's just it's my my mom is married um and when I was 17 I got put out of her house by him. And so it's just not the place for me. But my children are well and they take very good care of them. And so I'm, I'd rather them be safe and warm and have somewhere to eat every night. I don't have to ever worry about that than for them to be with me. And I have to worry about where we're going to sleep and how I'm going to feed y'all and me and how I'm going to get you to work. And, I, I and just, to try to keep that stability that yeah. they need when they're in school. Yeah. So what are you what are you looking for? Like what's keeping you now between from getting getting your own apartment or, or room like or a studio apartment? A security deposit. Uh-huh. Which is how much money? About anywhere, fifteen hundred plus the first month's rent, all at one time is a lot. Yeah, it's a lot, and so one paycheck won't cover it. So in the midst of all of that, you got to pay where you stay, and you have to eat, and you have to live, and you know. So it's just it's a little hard. It's very challenging. And then, are you in Jersey? I am. You're in Jersey. So there's no like rental assistant program. They put me in. I was on public assistance. The shelter system there, you have to be on public assistance and you have to be completely homeless. You know, you can't, if you're staying. So if you're working, you can't get any assistance. The assistance is limited. You know, you have to be making a certain amount of money. You have to be, what they told me when I started working, they told me you have to cut your hours down and then come back and bring a ship. And I was like, that doesn't make sense. Like I, I can't. I just, I can't do that. And so I was already. I had already had to be moved out of the shelter by then. They had broken into my room, took the whole window off, took my stuff, took my computer. The system did not replace it. But I not, and I didn't complain because I had life. I could have been in there, and they could have killed me. So exactly. It, it, that part wasn't even important for me. But um, yeah, it's very limited. And then it is a domestic violence situation. But because he's dead, they said. You, you're not a victim anymore, which, you know. So it, it's just, there. it doesn't really, the system doesn't really cater to the working. Low-income working people or people who are just starting out. Yeah. Like like, your, like yourself. Chad, tell me a little bit about what you're doing with the teens, with your organization, right, well, hiphopsaveslives.org, which, we, of course, we love the name. Thank you. We teach humanity through hip-hop, and we first... Well, what does that mean? Well, we educate Humanity. them on yes on the hip hop lo- part. We know <laughs> we educate them on local, national, and global issues, um, and we educate them on these issues through the work of humanitarians. So they learn about you know, um, for example, an, an international issue might be extreme poverty, um, lack of clean water, or. Um, the, Im- the, the immigration issue here in the States, issues that kids don't really want to sit down and learn about, but because they can rap and sing about what they've learned, they retain the information, write lyrics, record a song, and shoot a music video. And we take these songs and music videos and send them to the heroes as a gift. And the kids get to share it on Facebook and share it on YouTube. So it's, it's a way for them to expose um, you know, their, their abilities and talents through, you know, but also learn something and have a better understanding of the world that we live in. And you guys are a nonprofit organization. Yes, we are. And then how do you get funding to do all this? We get funding. Um, we, so most of our, our money comes from contracts. We get have contracts with schools. 
Um, we've worked in probably seven or eight schools in New York City. We also have funding from Carnegie Hall that funds our work with incarcerated youth. So we work in the Bronx and Brooklyn with incarcerated youth as well. That's fantastic. The um, Mecca, in terms of in terms of your prospects, like how did you when you were doing the couch surfing thing? How did you get out of that cycle? Uh, the the guy who busted me. Um, basically invited me back to his house. His mom sat down with me. She, you know, had a frank conversation with me. I didn't want to admit to too much, but she she knew what it was, and I was too tired to really keep the keep facade, the facade going. up. Right? Yeah, I was. I was too. I was at the end of my rope. I didn't know how it was going to end or what was going to happen. But she sent him back to the place. He grabbed all my stuff. Um, they let me stay there. I got a job at Key Food. Then I got another job at Banana Republic. Then I got an internship at The Source. Then I learned how to write. And the rest is history. Moved on to be like, you know, I left for a while, came back, was the music editor, you know, turned it into a career. Now I manage a couple of people. I've made my own music. I've toured. Shout out to Slaughterhouse. I opened up for them. Um, I represent a couple of really, really talented people. Tish Hyman, Courtney Orlando. Dot Demo, Tragic Hero, uh, I'm forgetting somebody who's gonna kill me. Crystal Levin, <coughs> I'm still forgetting somebody who's gonna kill me. Tish Hyman, whew, thank God. Oh, I, said, I said that already? You said her already. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, yeah, she really is. She's out right now with uh, Jill Scott, she's doing a thing, she's amazing. Oh, Charles Perry, how could I forget him? Charles Perry, the soul superhero. He's, he's doing his thing real heavy now, so, you know, I have my hands in a lot of different places. I still provide content for allhiphop.com. And uh, any, a lot of other people watch loud, vibe, write, put my pen to paper for a lot of different people. So, but it was it was really what allowed you to do that was having that home base, that stable home Somebody base. Somebody had to give me a shot. Somebody had to give me a shot. Like I said, they don't tell you what to do in high school when, when it all collapses. Falls apart like that. And I'm still, I, you don't know, I'm a grown man now. I'm st- that was like when I was in high school. I'm still dealing with it right now. I, you know, me and my lady are purging my place with throwing away a bunch of stuff. I never realized how much, how many things I held on to, just because this is my stuff. Don't throw away my stuff. Right, like it was a sense of j- just all you had. Just my security. I, you yeah. don't. You either. I've noticed the people that I've talked to have been in my situation. They either go one or two ways. Either they hoard a bunch of stuff, or they get rid of everything all the time. And it's one way or the other. Jay Electronica was homeless. I talked to him. He gives away his stuff he just gives nonstop. Away like just on stage, sunglasses here, shoes here, whatever it is. Watch here. Wow. Take it. Me, I have a blanket in the house that's old, ratted, and, and like torn up. No, you can't have this blanket. This is my blanket. You can't have my blanket. Your, it's, it's literally your security. I security may need blanket. this blanket. Right, you right, can't we're, have we're this almost, We're almost out of time here. I just want to get a couple of, couple of final words. Juan, for people who are in the, the this, this situation, I know you're out on the streets but in in New York City mm-hmm. they, they can get help there is there are rental assistance programs sure. not enough for everybody but there are there there is more there yeah I mean I think for, for people that are sort of in danger of becoming homeless um, you know there's home base home base is a program that um, is citywide um, and folks can access that um, to try to help with rent arrears or any other kind of you know situation that might be putting them you know, on the brink of, of being on the street. Um, in terms of the, the general public, um, you know, what we ask for as an agency, like we always ask the public to help us. You know, the, the public are the eyes and ears also. Um, and they can call 311 if they see someone on the street um, who they're concerned about. Um, or if they have any questions, they can, you know, they can actually look at our website, bronxworks.org. 
Um, but yeah, we ask for the public to, to get involved. Um, for example, in January, the, the hope count is coming up, which is, uh, the yearly count that's done by the city. Oh yeah. Um, that helps us to sort of, uh, get a good estimate of, of what the number is. Um, and it helps sort of to allocate services and things like that, depending on where, you know, where they, and where, where they come over. Right. Yeah. So the three one one is a number two for, and for Definitely. people who are facing eviction too, cause there's that program where they have mm-hmm. the lawyers and they have mm-hmm. other help for people that are, are facing the eviction. Jay, mm-hmm. the, uh, what's, what's your, your wish for 2016 for yourself um, to save as many people as I can women and domestic violence and children that are a product of it and um, my book just made it to the UK so I'm really excited about congratulations that. what's the title can you tell us the title who is she is she you who is she is she you wow all right, that's awesome. We'll have to have you back on the on the domestic violence show when we're, when we're talking about that. Chad, real quick, if people want to get more information. Yes, hiphopsavelives.org. All right, th- that's simple and easy to remember. <laughs> what, you know? I was waiting uh, for I, like, I, and... Uh, can I just say one thing? Real though? quick, super quick. Um, I don't, homeless, we don't have to have homeless people in America. I met a girl from Finland and she told me it's illegal to be homeless. And I said, you, you said people have the right to be on the street, but in their country they don't. And they have great services that help people, whether... With, with any type of issue to get through it. It's illegal to be homeless in Finland. And they have far less money than we do in America. And a lot less a lot less people too, but it also seems to it's a, it's a great thing about the United States we try to help people around the world too, but there's a growing number of people that are saying, "Listen, we need to help the people who are here. We need right. to help our Americans. Right. We need to help the people that are that are in this country right now." Coco, I'm going to give you the final word real quick. What's what's ahead for you? Um, on a positive note. I want to work with more kids in 2016 if that's what you're asking <laughs> alright and we, yeah. we want we want to see maybe we'll see you push for peace summer 2016 <laughs> but my team is very tough on the talent you gotta be really good <laughs> just just keeping it 100 she's anyway, ready <laughs> she's ready I want to thank all of our guests for being with us for this episode of Street Soldiers Chad Harper founder of HipHopSavesLives.org uh, the one and only Coco um, teen who is a dancer aspiring dancer and singer uh, Jay we, we want to thank you very much for being with us her book is Who Is She Is She You Juan Rivera, Director of Homeless Outreach um, with Bronx Works and Mecca. Thank you all so very much for being with us for this episode of Street Soldiers. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers, on Twitter and the gram, at Lisa Evers. And we're joined now by Keith Carr. He is the manager of Healthy Neighborhoods for the program City Harvest. Keith, thanks so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Thank you, Lisa. Now, you guys have something great going on in Brooklyn. Tell us what that is. Oh, um, it's called our Healthy Neighborhoods Initiative, and um, everyone knows what City Harvest generally does. Uh, We rescue food and help get food in the hands and the mouths of hungry New Yorkers, but our Healthy Neighborhoods Initiative really looks at um, people are hungry, yes, but we also want people to, we want to feed people, but we want people to be more healthy with the food that they eat. So we work to get more produce into the community, um, and we do that in like four specific ways. And how do you how do you do that? Okay, we have our mobile market, which is at the Tompkins houses. It's open to anyone that lives within the one one two zero six zip code. And basically, it's a, we set it up like a farmers market. And it's a free produce giveaway. So every first Saturday and every third Wednesday of the month, we give away close to twenty thousand pounds of fruits and vegetables. Wait, you guys say that again? So this is at the Tompkins houses in Brooklyn. At the Tompkins houses in Brooklyn, um, it's Tompkins Avenue. Um, it's sorry, it's Myrtle Avenue between Tompkins and Troop. In the parking lot there, you'll see the tents, you'll see our truck, uh, and um, we give away um, like 
two fruits and three vegetables or three vegetables. Um, like this past Saturday, we gave away watermelon, butternut squash, apples. Um, what else do we have? A, a bunch wow, of stuff. Wow, that sounds yeah. good right there. And we feed close to between four to 600 families every time that we do it. That's fantastic. Yeah. And then there's a, there's other ways that you're getting the food yeah. out there. Tell um, us about that. We also that. know that when you go into certain communities, especially our communities, the supermarkets, when you go in the produce section, they just stink. And literally and figuratively. <laughs> so uh, we work with supermarkets and bodegas to get them to carry more fruits and vegetables or improve upon what they already have. So we have what, our, what we call our produce whisperer. He goes in and just helps them with their ordering and with their display and just help to sort of zhuzh up the produce department. Um, some of the bodegas and the smaller stores can qualify for a grant to get a refrigeration unit or some shelving and things like that to make capital improvements to their store. But the whole idea is if your food looks good and it's presented well, people are more likely to um, purchase it. And if they're more likely to purchase it, they're more likely to cook it. And if you eat more fruits and vegetables, you're gonna be healthier. And now if people want more information about this, what's the best way for them to get it? Sure, um, they can reach out to, they can go to our website, www.cityharvest.org, or they can give us a call at 646-412-0600. Um, and just ask for myself or anyone in our Healthy Neighborhoods Initiative. All right, Keith, thank you so much. Keep up the great work that the, uh, Keith is the manager of the Healthy Neighborhoods Program with City Harvest, first Saturday and the second Wednesday? First Saturday and third Wednesday. And third Wednesday every month at the Tompkins Houses, that free uh, fruit and vegetable giveaway. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. We really, really appreciate it. All right, right. and I have to uh, give a very special shout out to everybody, the great team at Bridging Access for Care on World AIDS Day, Rosie Perez, the whole team that was out there. What a great event. I was very honored to host that. And to everybody at Raymore and Flanagan on Fulton Street in downtown Brooklyn, they took the furniture showroom, turned it into an event space, which was incredible, and donated that. So big shout out to everybody at Raymore and Flanagan. And also at the uh, Buster Rhymes and Friends Hot for the Holidays concert at the Prudential Center. What an incredible night. I'm still on a hip hop high from that. I gotta say a big shout out to my brother Buster Rhymes, my sister Lil' Kim, and all the artists who gave me great interviews they were just fantastic it was so great to see so many people on stage and behind stage but you know backstage the scene was incredible French Montana big shout out to him Fetty Wap Raekwon Seven Streeter wrote to me uh, Junior Reed Capone and Noriega Manola Rose so many artists there it was just really great to see all of you thank you so much for the interviews and the shout outs and uh, we hope to get you up here on Street Soldiers on Hot 97 and Fox 5 in 2016 so thank you all very very much and of course I gotta thank my incredible uh, team here at Hot 97 Street Soldiers our executive producer Tone Capone my associate producer, Rose Daniels, um, production assistant from Marcus, our, our assistant producer, Mia Bell, on the boards doing the whole digital thing. DJ Michael Medium is here with us. Marcus helping us out. And of course, the one and only TJ at Mr. TJO on Instagram, keeping us digital and keeping our digital game tight. Jeffrey Thacker, the uh, digital mastermind behind LisaEvers.com. So check out the podcast there. And check me out on the Fox 5 News at 5, 6, and 10. And have a great week. Remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. I'm Lisa Evers. Push for peace.